free. Amen. We just thank you so much for your word. We already see what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for putting this whole service together. But I'm just asking, Lord, that uh, the word that you've given me, Father, that you unpick, Lord, that you give me what to say, and that we all, including myself, have the heart to receive it, Lord, and that it is fruitful in our lives, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I can tell you that the Lord has put this all together. What just happened there is what occurred to me to happen after I finished ministry. And the word that Pastor Vern gave before we started is actually part of what I'm preaching. So the Lord has put this together. So let me just uh, pray with me or believe with me that um, this will come out right. So um, the title of my message is called Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Um, I don't know about you, if you have hung around the body of Christ anytime much, right? You've heard different camps, the people who think Christians should suffer and be glad to suffer and stay in the suffering <laughs> without complaining. <laughs> and then you may also hear another camp that says, well, Christians are not supposed to have any problems. You know, we have to push life, right? Nothing about goes wrong with our lives. In fact, um, Sometimes you evangelists might give unbelievers the impression that if you just received Christ, your life will be all good from now to eternity. Right? So, which is it? Which Both. is it? Both. In the middle. It's in the middle. I remember exactly where I was when it occurred to me that I was undergoing suffering. <laughs> How pathetic. <laughs> you know, things were so bad, and I just kept on chalking it off to something and explaining it away. And it, it got to the point that an outsider, a family member actually called me and said, All right, what is going on in your life? That's when I realized that when the enemy sneaks up on you, it can be subtle. It's a little this now, and you explain it away. It's a little bit that, and you explain it away. But if you don't put it all together and realize, you know what? I am under attack. Yes. Okay? And that's exactly what was happening in my life. And so it was a struggle. I had to learn what suffering is. How does that work in the life of a believer? And what do you do with it? Right? To the point where when the Lord called me to the ministry, um, one day I was supposed to preach and I had no clue what to say. So I said, Lord, yeah. No clue. <laughs> you know, and I had just come back from work. I was tired, so I lay down to sleep. I was supposed to preach in the evening. And in, in, as I lay down to sleep, I had this dream. Okay, and in this dream, uh, it was a piece of paper with a list of things on it. And so number one was crushed off, number two crossed off, and number three was the finished works of the cross. And when I woke up, that was the only thing I remembered. So I believe that my message to the body of Christ is what did Jesus accomplish on the cross and how do we take advantage of that? My main text is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 12. And it says, 
Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Say, nevertheless. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Praise the Lord. Yes. This verse, Paul writes this verse from a prison cell. He's in a prison cell in Rome. And if you followed the ministry of the apostle, I mean, he's had problems from day one, all the way till the end. But he said he knew why he was suffering. Yes. We should know yes. why we come against suffering. Yes. Okay, because the enemy wants you to feel that it's because you're a horrible person. That's why you're suffering. But you know what? Sometimes it's because you're not a horrible person. <laughs> exactly. And so Paul, in spite of all that, said, nevertheless, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Nevertheless means, it's not a word we use so often these days, right? It means in spite of this, okay? However, no matter what has happened, nonetheless, this is where I stand. You know, One thing we don't realize when we first get saved is that we're signing up also for persecution. We are also signing up for suffering, right? We're signing up for those things in addition to everything else. We're signing up for healing. We're signing up for prosperity. We're signing up for peace. We're signing up for, you know, deliverance, wholeness. We're signing up for everything. So then, how can we both have suffering and victory and all this together, and how do we walk those out? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Suffering, you know, it has been confused that because of Job, every suffering that a Christian goes through must be from God. Well, first of all, Job's situation was an exception. And second of all, we are not in Job's shoes, right. right? We're not in Job's shoe. We're not in Job's era, okay? This is the church age. From the time the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected till he comes back is the church age. Yes. 
and it's the season of grace, okay? We have a covenant, right? It's called the New Testament, the New, the new Covenant, uh, with, which God promised all those years ago. And so suffering is not from God. God is right now, the scripture says, he's um, reconciling us to himself. And um, causing us suffering kind of goes against what he's trying to do, right? So when we look at Genesis 3, we see where suffering came from. The devil came into power after Adam and Eve fell, and with the devil came a cursed world, right? Uh, Romans 8, let's look at Romans 8, 21 to 22. Romans 8, 21 to 22. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So I'm just cutting that short, but you get the gist. If creation is going to be delivered from corruption and bondage, it means that creation is currently in bondage and under corruption, right? So all of creation, human beings, you know, plants, animals, are all under that bondage. And we're looking forward to being delivered from that. You know, even though the devil is called the god of this world, well, first of all, he's a small god. Yes. And the scripture also calls the devil the prince of the power of the air, right? The devil is never called a king. The devil is a small god who operates in the rank of a prince. And a prince is someone who is under the authority of a king. A prince is someone whose powers are limited. A prince is someone who is restricted in what they can do. Right? And so the devil, say the devil is not as big a foe as he makes it to be. You know, he's not as formidable as he makes himself to be. He's actually small. Right? He's actually small because Isaiah tells us, Isaiah 14, 15 to 17, kind of reveals the secret. He tells us, he says, he says about the devil. Yet you shall be brought down to shoal to the lowest depths of the pit. And those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Like, who shook kingdoms? Who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? You see where destruction comes from? Who did not open the house of his prisoner? Is this a person who held keep people captive and would not let them go? Is this a person who caused wars and caused nations to rise against each other? Like, is, is, is that it? Estoros? It, this is it, Sephini. It's like, this is it. So the devil is not as huge as he makes himself to be. And when we see how insignificant the devil is, it helps us to realize how that we can have suffering, but God still expects us to walk in victory. What is victory? Victory is a conquest against something. 
There has to be something to conquer for you to be victorious, right? So when we come into victory, it is because Jesus conquered the enemy. Jesus conquered the power of sin. Jesus conquered the power of darkness. Jesus conquered the power of death and gained victory, right? And the scripture says that God then turned around and gave us victory as a gift. So let's look at it. First Corinthians um, 15, 57. First Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So victory to unbelievers is a gift. And if, if it is a gift, it means it belongs to us. And we can keep it. Right? We can keep it. So, if suffering comes from the devil, and God has given us victory, then the next sensible train of thought is, let me figure out how to get it. So I was, uh, what do they call that? In Nigeria, we call it Jim Jim, you know? I was a Jim Jim Christian, you know? You know that Christian who shows every time the door opens? Like they pray with all their energy and they're helping every part of the church? Yeah. Except the problem was that Christianity was not working for me. Okay, Christianity was not working in my personal life. Why? You see, there is suffering that you suffer for righteousness. And the suffering that you suffer just because you're foolish. What can I tell you? <laughs> okay? I mean, I was just like your average Christian. I went to church. I went to Bible studies. I served. And I spoke Christianese. And I, um, you know, tried my best to be a morally upright person. And, you know, um, and, you know, when I would watch movies, I would make sure it is a clean movie, you know, and all that. But the problem was that I wasn't taking the time to develop myself spiritually. I look back at it and I think if I had put in all the hours that I spent watching Netflix clean movies and um, Discovery Channel documentaries, if I had spent those in the word, I would have known what the word had to say that God has done for me, and I would have known how to get it. If I'd spent that time in relationship with the Lord and talking to the Lord, he would have told me the things that were going on in my life before they got so bad, right? So that was suffering from stupid, <laughs> okay? That was suffering because I was stupid, right? Um, and I'm sincerely hoping that if there is anyone here and, you know, your life is good, you know, you, you, your children are healthy, um, you have money in your bank account, you've got a job, and everything seems peaceful for you, use this time to grow up spiritually. Because when the enemy has lulled you to sleep, and you are sleeping very heavily sedated sleep. And the enemy 
then unleashes on you. By the time you wake up, begin to learn what you should be doing, the enemy will have time to wreck havoc. So if your life is going really great, it's not because of your greatness. Okay? It's not because of your holiness. Okay? Um, it will get to a point where your spiritual immaturity is going to be a problem. Okay? So we bring for Pastor Vern. Everybody knows Pastor Vern is not in this category. Right? Um, I, I, I come here, you know, every Saturday, I hear this man speak, him and Miss Mary. I was like, all right, you need to get your act together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so kind, so loving, so holy. we'll be sitting down there babbling, and he's just waiting for us to be done, you know? So if, if, if people had no problems at all because they were perfect and holy, Pastor Vern should have no problem. But you've heard it said that if you never run into the devil, it's probably because you two are going in the same direction. That's right. That is right. That is right. Okay. So sometimes we run into the enemy because we are going against his direction. But then sometimes we, um, I don't know if that is running into the enemy, we just didn't know what we were supposed to do, and the enemy had his way, right? right? So I want to challenge you all with this and say, please, when you go home, <laughs> take stock of your life. Take stock of your life. Ask yourself, if the enemy is, you know, suddenly doing something, am I able to see it now? Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, is there something I should know? Is there something that is happening right now? Me, my children, my family, my work, my relationships. Is there any evil that the enemy could be performing in my life that I am not aware of? So that you can take care of it. You know? So that you can take care of it. Okay? I'm going to talk about also this victory and how I eventually came out. So let's look at Galatians 5.1. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So this is that expectation where Christ gives us liberty, but he expects us to steward it. He expects us to take it, keep it, guard it, and not allow ourselves to be taken from that place of liberty. Liberty is a gift given because of the finished works of Christ, just like victory. And so, we also have to take the victory that we have been given and steward it. Like I've told you, I wasn't always a feisty Christian. There are Christians now who are mad at how feisty I am. 
Yeah, they're like, who does she, right? Who, do, who does she think she is? <laughs> who does she think she is? Well, they didn't go through what I went through. Because, you know, you would be stupid to go through the same thing multiple times without doing something about it. So um, I decided that things had to change. At first, I didn't know what to do. So you know how we do it, right? You fast, and you cry, and you ask God, and nothing was happening. So finally, I asked the Lord, I said, OK, Lord, I need your help. Why are you not helping me? <laughs> and, and, and he gave me the most, I don't know, answer. He said, it's up to you. You have to understand. If I was a sedated Christian, right? I'm sedated asleep in deep sleep of nothingness. And God says, it's up to you. Where do you even begin? <laughs> Where do you even start? <laughs> right? I didn't know nothing about how to stand on the word. I didn't know anything about, take a, I didn't even know something like authority existed. I didn't. I didn't know nothing. But you know what? I decided that I was going to put up a fight. Okay? I figured out that God actually thinks more highly of me than I think of myself. Because obviously, the devil that has been wrecking havoc in my life, God actually thinks I can overcome the devil. God actually thinks that I have what it takes to take care of this problem. And I wonder, I said, well, why, God, why didn't God just take care of it? The thought that came to me was this. If God took care of it, it would be like you trying to kill a fly with an AK-47. The devil was not worth the energy. Okay. So... Little me, God thought I could take out the devil. But how was I going to do that? <laughs> you want to know how strong in faith I was? 3%. God shows me a dream, right? In this dream, there's 100 people in the room. The 97 stood over there, and three of us stood over there. was one of the 3%. And it's like, that's how much faith you have. <laughs> in the meantime, I really considered myself a woman of faith, you know? I mean, I pray, <laughs> and I read the Bible, right? But I didn't have what it takes, so I had to dig myself out. I had to rewrite how I understood the word of God. I had to rewrite where I placed the word. And when I decided that, okay, I don't think you understand. I knew the word here, but not here. I knew the word here, but here I was full of doubt. I could pray and all the time in the back of my mind thinking this is not going to work. 
So it means everything I was praying was pretty much useless. This is where I was coming from. And you know, God is so good because if a human being had walked up to me and said, I already have 3% faith, do you think I'd still be friends with them today? No. I'd be like, you're not a friend. <laughs> you know? And that's why relationship with the Lord, when you're walking through something, is so important. Don't just walk through it. Talk with him through it. Ask him now and then, Lord, how am I doing? What should I be doing now that I'm not doing? What should I not be doing now that I am doing? How am I sabotaging your effort? Relationship with the Holy Spirit for a Christian is priceless. But let's not just take it and own it. You know, we speak in tongues, we pray in tongues, and let it be that. Let's, this is why we have the Holy Spirit, so he can help us. So he can, you know, empower us, teach us, right? Mm -hmm. So let's take advantage of what the Holy Spirit has to offer. I don't know if you've heard it. They say Holy Spirit will be to you what you want him to be. The people who get help from the Holy Spirit are people who ask for help. So don't go it alone. Okay? Know that you have a helper who wants to help you, help you, help you, help you, help you. He never gets tired of helping you. Why is this? So let's look at Psalm 4 verse 8. Psalm 4, verse 8. When God created mankind, so I'm going to throw some scriptures. Not all of them will come up. We're just going to read some for. But when you remember uh, Genesis 1, 27, 26, right? God is creating mankind. He says, you know, um, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, go and uh, do, uh, have dominion and replenish the earth and, and all this. God was giving mankind authority over the earth. And it looks like he has not changed his mind because he did not take the authority back completely. So there are some things in our lives that is not going to get taken care of if we don't take care of it. Because that is the territory that God gave us to rule over. Psalm 4, 8 says, so what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hand. You have put all things under his feet. So this scripture goes down to list all the things that God has put under our feet. So then I realized that Apparently, God has decided that I'm going to have to take care of this problem. And so I had to start building my faith. I had to start learning faith. What to say, what not to say. You know, I, I say this and people kind of laugh. I had to learn to watch my words. Even if, how do I say that? Um, even if it is something I may be thinking I don't have to say it. How do you know what's coming from your mind and what's coming from your heart? So what I realized is this. When a thought occurs to me, 
if it is not what the word of God would say. If it is not what the word of God, so let me give you an example. Say I make a mistake, okay? And I could stand there and rightfully say, Ari, that was so stupid. You are so stupid. How could you do that, right? Well, that thought comes to my mind. But I can choose not to say that. If I don't say it, I'm not taking ownership of that thought. It is not my thought until I own it. Okay? Um, I think it's Kenneth E. Hagen. He said, a, a bird may land on your head, but it doesn't have to build a nest there. <laughs> a thought may occur to you, but it doesn't have to become your thought. So I learned when a thought occurred to me, it was an opportunity for me to speak what the word of God says. So instead of saying, Ari, you're so stupid, look at what you do, I, I can say, I have the Holy Spirit, I have an unction from the Holy Spirit, I know all things. I will not make that mistake next time. So yes, that thought occurred to me, yes, I legitimately made a mistake, but I don't have to speak it as a continuation into the rest of my life. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so we have to build our faith. We have to decide that the word of God is supreme and what the word of God says is what it is, mm -hmm. period. Because I, I don't know about you, I don't know whether, where to place this, but um, coming from a science world, you're just so used to Analyzing everything, breaking everything, see how one became two, see what the catalyst and the enzymes were between the <laughs> And so it made spiritual things really difficult for me because I was trying to figure everything out. Well, how did this become this? Well, how did Jesus rising from the dead become my justification? I asked every teacher at Caris I could come across. <laughs> Because I thought it was like a scientific formula or something. <laughs> and finally, Holy Spirit said, it is not a math or science formula. It is a legal statement. <laughs> but you know how much time I spent investigating into this? Because I, I already had to know how this became this. And finally, I just said, you know what? I give up. I'll let God do his God thing. And I'll... <laughs> And I'll, and I'll do mine, right? If he says it this way, then this is what it is. End of story. I move on to something else. So I had to make the word of God supreme in my life. I had to push relationship with the Lord. I don't, nobody will understand what I'm saying unless you were in my life. You don't understand. I was so far gone that... If I'm trying to pray, it felt like there was a big cement wall between me and God. It was like I was pushing against a place of no solution. But because I knew that my problem had no earthly solution, I had to continue. You learn to um, have a friendship relationship with the Lord. Talk to the Lord about everything and learn to hear him talk back and act on what he says. My son said, hearing God is the easy part. Doing what he says is the challenge. <laughs> but you have to have the mind that you want to 
um, do what he says to do. And then he has the liberty to speak because he knows that what he's saying is going to bear fruit. And then I had to do what I call um, to have a definitive no. A definitive no for me means the enemy comes at me and I put my foot down and say no. Yes. Period. We have no discussion, no consideration about this, no compromise. It is no. In the name of Jesus Christ, no. In the name of Jesus Christ, no. And you know, it doesn't come easy because that initial time when you have not been doing it, the enemy is going to push the envelope. He's going to try you out to see if he wears you out. And he's going to keep pushing and keep pushing. But you know what? You have to outlast him. Look at the devil like a virus cold. You outlast your cold, right? You always outlast your cold. You can outlast the devil. <laughs> you can outlast the devil. If you just keep on sticking with it, he eventually says, you know what? I think there's an easier target somewhere that we could go bother. You know, so I give myself self-talks. Some, someday I went and asked Pastor Karen, do you hear me from downstairs? <laughs> because I, I, talked, I talked to myself. I had to talk and hear, hear the word of faith. I have recordings upon recordings of me preaching to myself. When it gets rough, I listen to what I had preached to myself about this issue you know, two days ago, okay? And as I did that, things began to sit. Things began to get better. It was bad. I took a notebook and I wrote down all the things that were bothering me. They filled one page. And then I sat down there and came against each of them. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I cancel you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are destroyed. In the name of Jesus, you, you number three, you will not bother me. In Jesus' mighty name, I send you packing number four. You know? So it, you, it, it's like, how do I even breathe? How do I even come up for air? I, I couldn't afford to do it slowly, one at a time. Do you know that the things that I did and sat down and declared and pictured myself in that place of victory. About a year or so, those things began to happen. It probably took that long because it probably took me that long from saying it and saying it and saying it to come into the place of faith. You see, sometimes you have to make declarations while you're still faithless to bring yourself into the place of faith. And then you continue to make those declarations to keep yourself in the place of faith. Because faith comes by hearing. But do you know that maintenance of faith also comes by hearing? And hearing. And hearing. And hearing. So Paul the Apostle says, nevertheless... We have to have a nevertheless mindset. 
I may be feeling this way, but nevertheless. Nevertheless. This is how I combined suffering with victory. The, the, this, God's desire is that I always have a victorious mindset. This is my baseline that I see myself as always victorious. So when suffering comes, it meets me at the point of victory. And therefore, it is easy for me to count it all joy because I'm already joyful, right? It's easy for me to um, count it a blessing. Peter says to count it as a blessing. It's easy for me to say, I condemn you. That's one of my favorite ones, Isaiah 54, 17. It says, no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. Man, I'm good at condemning. <laughs> when, they, when a thought occurs to you that is not yours, you say, I condemn that thought in Jesus' name. It is not my thought. I do not receive you. I condemn you. Amen. Nevertheless, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Nevertheless, I rejoice. Nevertheless, I'm victorious, no matter what comes against me. I had one of my, um, my colleagues at work. She decided that she was going to make my life miserable. And um, she thought she could find fault with everything I did. So I decided to treat her the way the scriptures say to treat her. Love her. You know. Um, it got so bad, other people noticed it. So they would come and say, hey, what's wrong with you and her? And I'd be like, oh, it's okay. She's just doing her job. And this went on until it got to the point that at meetings when she's trying to chew me out, people actually would come to my defense, people who were not my friends, right? And she eventually was taken out of that post. Nevertheless, I rejoice. I come to work singing. I walk in, and the nurse is like, oh, here she is. You know? Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Don't let the enemy take the victory that God has given you out of your mouth. Nevertheless, this is another one I liked. Pastor Vern said it earlier. Nevertheless, I win. Nevertheless, I win. I tell the enemy, I say, listen, the longer this thing goes, the huger my testimony is going to be. The more you make this worse, the more shame is going to come upon you. Because you know what? I win. Yeah. Nevertheless, I win. You just watch and see. And you know what? I win. And you know what usually happens when I win? The devil goes mute, quiet. Nothing to say. You're like, where are you? <laughs> I thought you were telling me this was not going to happen. Nevertheless, we win. Yes. Nevertheless, we win. If it takes long, don't worry. Because when I win, nobody's going to have any argument that this is what had gone on. There will be enough evidence to show that I won. You're not going to say, oh, you just had a cold. That went away in five days. You're going to say, 
Wow. That was something. God really brought you through that. So you know what? Let's talk to us. I tell God, I say, Lord, I want you to make my life a billboard of your ability. Use my life to show what you're able to do. How you're able to save. How you're able to deliver. How you're able to set free. Because you know what? We all signed up to come into the kingdom of God. We may not have known at the time that we were signing up to be soldiers. <laughs> but you know what? I'd rather fight with the Lord than win with the devil. So nevertheless, we win. Can you say that with me? Nevertheless, we win. Nevertheless, I win. Nevertheless, I win. We win. We win. It's not over until Jesus shows up in the sky. <laughs> Nevertheless, we win. So um, I just want to encourage everybody. Uh, please, God has called us to victory. Take your victory. Take your victory. Because sometimes... Um, you know, there are things that occupy us, and in the modern church, it is acceptable to watch reruns of, I don't know, <laughs> Project Runway, <laughs> if that still exists, you know? We waste our time doing these things, but ask yourself, if the enemy were to come at me right now, am I able to successfully Take him out yes. without delay, with as little delay as possible. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I wanted to encourage you. God has given you victory as a, a free gift. Yes. God has given us the right to joyfully go through suffering until that suffering becomes victory. And that's what he wants for us. So let us pray. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness, Father. Thank you, Father God, that when we speak your word, Lord God, you chase your word to perform it in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Father God, we can trust you, Father. We know the God that we worship, that, Father God, you are a good God. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for touching our hearts today, for speaking to our hearts. We also thank you, Father God, for the work of healing that you have done in Pastor Vern's life today, Lord. And we say, Father God, that it is established in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, you say that when two or three of you agree together concerning anything, it shall be done. So, Father, we have joined our faith and our agreement with Pastor Vern and Miss Mary. And we thank you, Lord. We call it done, Father, just like you have said, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.